Well, this is a special day in the life of Faith Lutheran Church. Why? I think it's obvious. The spiritual leader of faith for his whole existence has returned to us from his sabbatical. So thank you, Pastor Brian, for being with us. We thank you for that blessing. And I'm sure Pastor Brian, in his time away, is now rested. He's had time of reflection. He's renewed. He's rejuvenated. He's, he's re-energized. And he's ready to just give an outstanding message next Sunday. So make sure you invite all your friends and family to join you. And this is also a special day in the life of the church, a sad day in part, because this is the last Sunday Sarah and I will be with you here at Faith. We are reflecting upon how this summer seemed to go so fast. But then, and you'll have to check this out with Pastor Brian, we were praying that it didn't seem to go fast for Pastor Brian, that it didn't just go fast. So uh, that's our prayer as well. But this sabbatical season is coming to an end, and later in this message, I'll communicate to you some of the positive thoughts that I have about our time here at Faith. As many of you may recall, Faith is in a sermon series, Blessed to be a Blessing, and many of you have been walking through that uh, book, Discover Your Gifts, uh, on your own or in your life group, so we're thankful for that. And by the way, if you're not yet part of a life group, please pray about joining one. Please pray about participating. Sarah and I greatly enjoyed our multiple visits with the life groups here. You were so generous and gracious as we entered into your home, so thank you. But today we're going to focus on the New Testament leader, Peter, and his gift of communication that really comes forth in Acts chapter 2. This focus on gifts has been a journey here in the faith community, especially in the life group. So again, today we'll tackle the topic of communication. It's actually the 10th gift on the wheel of gifts that you find in those books. If you don't have one of those books, it's back at the welcome table. You can pick that up for free. Today we'll also be talking about the gift of communication we have so that we can communicate God's love and his blessings to other people that we care about in particular. Many of you know the history of our focused character, Peter, in the Bible, but I want to do a quick review so we're all headed in the same direction. Peter was one of Jesus' 12 apostles, chosen by Jesus, but how did he get to that point? Well, the fast-moving gospel of John, some of you may think, John's a fast-moving gospel? What's he talking about? Well, I'm just going to focus on chapter 1 for this moment. So let's do a quick review in chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So right away we know of Jesus' presence right there. Then... John the Baptist testified, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then, still in chapter 1, we're told that a guy by the name of Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, started to follow Jesus. And what happens when you meet someone that just rocks your world? You don't go, I'm not going to tell anybody about him. I don't want other people to know about him. No. If you interact with someone, if you communicate with someone, and they're an outstanding individual, outstanding brother or sister in Christ. You tell others about that individual because you've been blessed. You want to bless other people. 
And that reminds me, how many blessings do you have in your life that you haven't told others about? And I'm not saying to do it in a bragger way or anything like that, but sometimes we're blessed and we keep it to ourselves. Our society, not just the Christian society, our society as a whole, the whole world, the culture needs to know of God's blessings. And when it happens within your life, it's your faith story. So there's not right or wrong, it's yours. And you can tell that to other people because it's coming from your heart, because God has touched you, he's blessed you, and you get to share that with other people. So again, how many blessings are in your life that you have yet to talk to other people about that gives you an opportunity to bless them with the love of Jesus Christ? So again, you've been blessed as believers to bless others. That's what Andrew did. John chapter 1, verse 41 says, He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. I'm sure he didn't go, Hey, Simon. He was probably excited because of what had happened. Verse 42, He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. We can know that Peter was first called Simon in the scriptures. Actually, he's referred to Simon about 50 times in the New Testament. In the Gospels and in the book of Acts, a Greek translation for Peter is Petros. Some of you probably knew that. It's used about 150 times in the four Gospels and the book of Acts. But where did Petros come from? I want to highlight something I found from the master's website about Peter. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 shares, Jesus said to Simon, I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Some of you know that scripture. Some of you have heard it dozens, hundreds of times. But let me do some highlighting here. Matthew 16, 18 teaches us about today's focus character, about Peter. The name Peter was given to Simon by Jesus all the way back to John 1.42 that I mentioned just a moment ago. It comes from the Greek word Petros or the Aramaic word Cephas. The name Peter means rock or stone. To use a modern English equivalent, it means rocky. And I got to turn around for a second. Oh, next slide. Keep going. That's the one I wanted to see. <laughs> so the modern equivalent is rocky, but it's not that rocky. Or for some of you who aren't aware, it's not rocky the flying squirrel. Some of you may recall that as well. But I like to envision Peter as a strong man amongst other men and women. The strong man who's proclaiming the truth that he found in Jesus Christ. When Jesus said, I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Jesus differentiated in this language between stone and rock by using two different Greek words. The name Peter is Petros, but the word for rock is Petra. Those terms may sound similar to us, they do to me, but ancient Greek literature shows they actually have two complete different meanings. Petros was, this, was used to signify a small stone, so keep that in mind. Petra was, by contrast, referred to as bedrock or large foundation boulder. 
So to paraphrase Jesus' words, if I may, from Matthew 16, the Lord told Peter, I say to you that you are a small stone, and upon this bedrock I will build my church. Play on words, but there's a significant spiritual point here that Peter is Petros, but the real rock, the big rock, the foundation is Jesus the Christ and his word. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 and 25. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. And I emphasize rock in caps. It's not like that in the Bible, just to let you know. Our true rock is Jesus the Christ and his word. Of course, he is the word fulfilled, so it's one in the same there. Peter communicated this so well when he said to Jesus, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Peter was a devoted follower of Jesus. And Peter was oftentimes the first to stand up and the first to go all in. There's some pros and cons to that in Peter's life. But he wasn't laid back. He wasn't sitting on his hands. He was there. Peter boldly and publicly declared his devotion to Jesus, as seen in the foot washing in John chapter 13. Also in John chapter 13, he detailed the willingness to die for Jesus. Then in John chapter 18, he took a sword out in the garden to, in a sense, defend Jesus. These blessed and bold and public communications contrasted sharply with the way many people remember Peter. Peter communicated three times very clearly in his denial of Jesus. As he was around the fire outside of Jesus' trial, he did exactly what Jesus said he was going to do and denied him three times. So sometimes we build up Peter as the rock. He's an awesome guy. But he had his faults. He had his shortcomings. He had his sins, just like you and I. And this is one of the blessings of the Bible. There are characters in the Bible that we can connect to so easily because when we read of them in God's word, we can see ourselves in them because they all aren't like Superman or Rocky. They have faults. They're human beings, just like you and I. Peter came to Jesus, even though after denying him three times, Peter came to Jesus after the resurrection. He jumped out of the boat, jumped into the water, and got ashore to meet Jesus. And it was here that Jesus blesses Peter, again around the fire. This was the third time that Jesus had appeared to his disciples. And it was around that fire. Remember, Peter denied around the fire. And now he's being re-engaged with Jesus and blessed around a fire. Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? Now, I don't know about you, but if Sarah were to say three times, do you love me in a matter of moments, I'm like, what's the deal? Yeah, did something change that I don't know about? 
But Jesus was making a point with Peter when he said, do you love me? John chapter 21, verse 15. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He wanted to make sure Peter, Simon, son of John, loved him, Jesus, God, above all else. Peter was a leader of the group, the first to speak and act. So Jesus wanted to be sure that he was willing to love him, God, Jesus, more than anything else. And through this time, through this time on the shore, Jesus blessed Peter. In a sense, he resurrected Peter from his denials. But what I believe Jesus was asking in that moment by the fire with Peter and the others gathered around is, Peter, are you willing to lay your life down for me? Are you? Am I? Are we willing to lay our life down for Jesus? Are we willing to put Jesus first? Are we willing to see the heavens open and be blessed because our priority is Jesus and his church? That should be our focus as Christians, Jesus and his love and his church. With all that said, I want to dig into our focus text and emphasize Peter's gift of communication. Remember, we're going to read Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 41, about the gift of communication. Last week, I put that up on the screen. It's coming up again in the Discover Your Gifts workbook. It's described as organization of thought, presentation, and storytelling, the gift of communication. Peter's got it all. Now, he didn't always have it, but we're going to hear from Acts chapter 2, the power of God's word. So if you're following along in your Bible app or your hard copy Bible, please uh, go along with that and, and or listen to God's word as it's being spoken here. Then Peter stood up with eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 22, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, 
freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said this about him. I saw the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope. Because you will not abandon me into the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Verse 29. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, and he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God had raised this Jesus to life, and we are his witnesses, exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and it has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Verse 36 and following. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. Let me offer a prayer. God, we thank you for your word. Your word that at times gives us goosebumps because the Holy Spirit is present. Lord, we thank you for this powerful communication that Peter shared with us in this day and in this time. Amen. Peter was not only able to communicate this powerful, in this powerful manner because he was a good speaker. No one had ever said he was a good speaker, but he knew Jesus as Lord and Savior. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit. He was given gifts to communicate because of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Is that true for you and your life? Do you sense the Holy Spirit in your life? Do you know of the gifts that God has given you to express his love to all people? That's one of the blessings of this Blessed to be a blessing sermon series and the Discover Your Gifts book is to have us, God's people, discover some of the things that we may not have known before about our gifts. But we shouldn't leave them there in the book or in a group meeting. We should use them to glorify God. I pray when you are called upon by God, you confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. If that hasn't happened in your life yet, I encourage you to speak with Pastor Brian about that. 
about knowing Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. To be able to make a complete commitment to Jesus, to live a life worthy of his calling. Peter, in verse 14 of our focus text, stood before the crowd that was in Israel for the Feast of Weeks, which was a Jewish celebration at the beginning of the grain harvest as described in Exodus 34, 22. Now we know that there were people gathered there of all different backgrounds, of all different languages. And Peter being the leader now of the apostles, he's the lead communicator. He's the one that stands up. He's the, the lead truth teller now on earth in a sense, representing God, representing Jesus Christ, giving a voice to the resurrected Lord for those people of that day and even for us. And the one thing Peter did in his uh, communication there, he recognized everyone that was there. And that's a great blessing. That's a kingdom mentality blessing. He said, fellow Jews and all of you in Jerusalem. So he didn't exclude people. There was probably Gentiles in the area, people that weren't followers of the Jewish tradition, and they got connected through this power of the Holy Spirit. Then Peter goes on to communicate the power of God's word by using words from the prophet Joel. By the way, John, thank you very much for being Joel today. I know it's a promotion, but... But Peter used these words from Joel to establish for those gathered there this great connection for the Jewish people, this prophecy that the Jewish people would have known of. And now they're hearing this Peter stand up in Jesus' name, but sharing this communication from centuries ago, that there's power in the Holy Spirit as prophesied by Joel and came true in Jesus of Nazareth. And Peter continues by quoting the great King David that, all hearing Peter would have probably connected with as well. He communicates to all present, and I believe to us today, as God's word is powerful, that Jesus the Christ was from the line of David, and that Jesus would be, that Jesus is the resurrected Messiah. Peter communicated the truth in such a powerful way because it was a Holy Spirit-driven way. The scripture tells us in verse 37, they were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart. The 3,000 gathered that first Pentecost day were convicted. And that's important for us to understand and realize. This is the attitude that God looks for and, and can work with as described in Isaiah chapter 66, verse two. This attitude is the beginning of the process for us as believers to know Jesus Christ personally. I wanna go back for a moment. What did Peter mean in Acts chapter two, verse 37, when he communicated that the Pentecost crowd was cut to the heart? In verse 36, the words say, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Then when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? The Greek word translated for heart is cardia, and it has a range of meaning even in that time as it does for us in our time. According to Zondervan, the dictionary of Bible words, 
The heart of man is his very person, his psychological core, the conscious awareness of each of us that has and makes persons and the spiritual dimension of responsiveness or unresponsiveness to God are both expressed by the word heart. They were cut to the heart. And it's translated, the word here is, cat in the Greek is katanusomi. And it means to prick, pierce, to pain the mind sharply, agitate it vehemently, used especially of the emotion of sorrow. The only place this Greek word is used in the New Testament is right here in Acts chapter 2, 37. It's the only place. The great theologian William Barclay explains when people realized just what they had done in crucifying Jesus, their hearts were broken. Jesus said in John chapter 12, verse 32, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. Barclay wrote about how everyone has had a hand in the event, in the crucifixion, because we are sinners. And so being cut to the heart, led them and in turn leads us to sorrow, to introspection, to ask, what shall we do? In Acts chapter 2, it brought thousands to repentance, to blessings, to baptism, to conversion, to being followers of Jesus the Christ. They were drawn to Jesus just as Jesus said they would be. So what is our response to God's word found in Acts chapter 2? Are we drawn closer to Jesus? Are we drawn closer to the movement of the Holy Spirit? I know when I was reading the words from Acts chapter 2, I got goosebumps. And I love that. When I'm reading God's word in the morning or up here, that the Holy Spirit is present. When I was sitting down earlier, I'm like, man, it's hot in here. The Holy Spirit's really working it. But then I thought that might be the air conditioning. So, But when I'm up here reading God's word and, and I get goosebumps, that's, that's God at work and I love that. It's my prayer that each of you have been cleansed in the waters of baptism and that through that blessing that you know God, you know that God loves you. And in our tradition, in the Lutheran tradition, that you know the Holy Spirit is present with you and he desires you to live a life worthy of the calling of God himself. And maybe, I, I don't know, if you've yet to be baptized, again, I would ask you to talk to Pastor Brian about that. Let him walk that journey with you because there's power in that journey. There's power in being baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I love how Peter communicates this this particular uh, statement at the end of our focus text, when he warns, save yourself from this corrupt generation. Hmm. May this be true for all who hear those words. Because even today, we need to hear that. Save yourself from this corrupt generation. May each of us be able to communicate through our own story, the love of Jesus Christ the love that's in us, and then we can express that onto others because it's our story. And may the Holy Spirit inspire you to tell God's truth as found in his word, imparted into your heart, and then expressed through your life. Being a follower, being a witness that lives out the book of Acts is so important. I pray that all we've just learned from Acts chapter 2 occurred because of the Holy Spirit. 
and for Peter, who is our focus character today, who is driven to communicate the truth. He was driven by the Holy Spirit to communicate the truth of Jesus Christ. Peter stepped up and he stepped in and he was a hero in our focus text. Part of being a hero is, well, let me explain this. Uh, Pastor Brian, sometime in the spring, I don't remember the date, Sarah and I had been worshiping online with you, watching sermons online and worshiping. But he referenced back in the springtime from a book called Hero Maker. And there's a quote from a basketball player in it. One of my favorite basketball players, actually. His name is Isaiah Lord Thomas. Grew up here in Illinois, played basketball in Indiana, and then went on to play basketball for the Detroit Pistons. Had a Hall of Fame career, even though he was one of the bad boys, as those of you who know basketball are aware of that. He knew what the secret to championship basketball was. And here's what he said. It's not about basketball. Here's a guy who's voted on to the 50th anniversary All-NBA team, the 75th anniversary All-NBA team, and asked, what does it mean to be a champion in basketball? And he says, it's not about basketball. And I think that translates for us in our Christian walk. It's not about us. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about our Lord, Jesus the Christ, our personal Savior. And it's great to know that God's word points us in that direction, communicates that to us, that it's about him and his love for all people. And we're blessed to be those witnesses that get to share that with one another and with the world. And that was my prayer while being uh, chosen by the sabbatical team way back in 2022 to communicate the truth found in God's word. When Sarah and I arrived here in Bloomington and here at Faith, we were blessed. I thank God for those early emails, those early Zoom calls, and I honor those who are on that particular sabbatical team because you imparted truth to me that allowed me to come here on Sunday mornings and impart God's truth. So I honor you. Sarah and I were able to meet folks here in Bloomington that were Buckeyes, <laughs> Boilermakers, Cardinals, Cubs. We even connected with some Wildcats and some fellow Wolverines too. Sarah and I greatly enjoy the connections we've made in the life groups. You invited us into your homes and gatherings and we're grateful for that because it's through those connections you communicated the love of God in this community. You communicated that we were part of this fabulous family of faith even for this short window of time. Oh, and it didn't hurt that some of you served me ice cream. So just to let you know. We enjoyed meals together, Sarah and I, with some of you in your homes or in restaurants in the community. Oh, speaking of restaurants, I went to a restaurant here more than probably some of you can imagine. Um, you guessed it, Panera Bread. Many of you know this is also where Pastor Brian's office is. So I thought this picture was an appropriate part of the passing of the baton back to Brian. Brian, I relinquish your seat back to you. Please know that this church, this body of Christ, 
communicated kindness, op openness, super support to Sarah and myself. We've been blessed. And because of that blessing, we can now be a blessing to other people. So thank you on that. And please know this, it's not goodbye, but it's simply see you later. Oh, and you're invited to visit us in Phoenix as well. We'd, we'd honor you if you were able to come. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. God, you blessed us with this powerful witness of Peter, his bold communication from your word, especially from Acts chapter 2. It is such a blessing. And as we learn from this text, I pray we are blessed, which causes us in turn to be a blessing to others. Jesus, continue to communicate to us your never-failing love so that we can express your love to others. Lord, in your mercy.